Hello. Hello. Industry. Industry. Hello and welcome back to episode number 53 of Industry Tactics. My name is Friendly Rich. I'm your loyal host. And on the on the podcast this week, I might talk with Mike Friedman. Uh, grew up in Toronto. I actually interviewed him in, in, in the house that he grew up in. And uh, what a treat to speak with Mike. Hear how he approaches uh, composing, creating, practice. Uh, we get into a lot of things. He's living in New York now. He's been based out of New York for the last, I don't know, uh, 15 years. But he comes back to Toronto every now and again to play with his amazing group, St. Dirt Elementary School. And uh, what a treat it was to, to, to speak with Mike. This is my chat with Mike Friedman. Enjoy. Again, there's a button you can press on that chair so you won't fall. Oh yeah, I keep falling back. It's uh, this is that's the voice. That's a gentle voice of Mike Friedman. Mm-hmm. How do I press that button? You have to lean forward all the way. Yeah. And then it clicks in. It worked. Okay. I know that. He's chair. leading us through it. He knows this chair. He knows this room. Where are we here? We're at. We're we're in North York. We're in North York. We're in my childhood bedroom. Thank you for opening it up. And let me tell you, dear listener, there is shit all over the place. This is a, like, I'm going to do, if only I had brought my VR camera. I know we got rid of that shit a while ago because it just didn't make sense. But this fucking room is VR worthy. Like everything from the light fixtures to assigned Guns N' Roses uh, on the wall. What is that? A T-shirt yes, a from t-shirt. Slash. Yeah, saying two mic rock and roll Slash. We'll we'll do some photos. We'll uh, we'll put up some photos. It is a real. It it feels like uh, yeah, a real real uh, glimpse into your artistic mind. So are, is a lot of this art on the wall? Like you just, you went for it. Well, a lot of it also was was done by my friends in high school. Cool man, it has that vibe. It's really, it's scary. This was the house where people hung. They could, ha- like everyone would, ha- you know, there's always yeah. the house. This was the house. Everyone would hang in this house and they just That's cool. stay here all weekend. Well, it tells me a lot about your folks. The fact that, A, they never thought to remove that phone hang- dangling from, they just left the room the way it is. And how long have you been outside of this house now? Long time, 18 years. 18 years. And and it remains like it's like w- it's a real trip down memory lane here. I guess 
you you don't sleep here when you stay here. It's got to be even creepy for you. It depends on who I'm with. When right now I'm here with the whole family. So yeah, we're sleeping in the room next door. We put Kay. all the beds on the floor. Fun. But I was on tour last year with yeah. a band, and we came through, and I did sleep in this room. Sweet. It felt great. It was just like you it's know, so interesting because I don't have that house I grew up in. Like it's gone, right? So it's like I I wonder I I wonder like yeah, and and untouched is like. So those are your T-shirts from high school? Yeah, that's those my clothes. That's fucked. You know what's funny is none of them fit. I didn't. You know, in high school, you don't think about cl- wearing clothes that fit you. You're just like this shirt is cool. Right. You have no concept. Like, does it look good on me? Does it? Is it? Is this a shirt for me? Right. So now when I go back and I try to put those on, like none of them fit. Everything's too big or too small. Wow. Size didn't matter. It didn't matter. I didn't get it. So. I where'd you Where'd you go to school? William Line McKenzie. Just okay. around here. And what was that like? What, what, I, I have a feeling just looking at the walls, I know what you were like in high school, but what was high school like for you? It was kind of all over the place, you know. I yeah. didn't, you know, it's like sometimes you fit, you fit in with some people, you don't fit in with others. Yeah. I had a lot of trouble. Um, you know, uh, there was some violence. There was a stabbing at my school. Oh, shit. It's kind of intense. The principal called his wife before he called the ambulance. And then he got demoted. For calling his wife. That's before. an interesting interesting little factoid. Yeah. I don't know if that like like sure, it's probably a bad move like in the in the midst of chaos. But I admire it in a way too. Well he like, called to say he'd be late for dinner. Oh fuck, never mind. So and it was like early I wanted to give him a like <laughs> to stand on. Like, wow, what a compassionate man. He's like just want like emotional check in with his wife. No, no. I'm going to be late for dinner. There's a kid bleeding out, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that was where it was at. Oh fuck. So it was a okay. big it was a big media to do. And also um hmm. I, I, you know, I was running out of classes to take. I wasn't a very academic student, but I you know, you need to take a certain number of classes to graduate, but I stopped taking uh math once I didn't need to continue. Mm-hmm. I didn't take any sciences. I didn't take, you know, I was just running out of things. So I went to my guidance counselor and I was like, I need like X many more credits mm. and I can't take any more academics. Like, what can we take? Mm. And she's like, well, you can take like all the drama classes. And she's like, J- you know, there's a weightlifting class. You can take a weightlifting class. That's like a credit. So I was like, that sounds great. I'll do that. So I took a weightlifting class. And then that was like a really intense experience because the people I was hanging out with every day were the people I had never hung out with in high school totally different family totally different totally different yeah. vibe you yeah know? yeah no doubt and uh actually there was that police officer who shot someone on a streetcar in toronto a couple years back mm-hmm. he was in the class with me sammy uh yakim no no kid that he shot. yeah yeah and his name was james right okay was it james okay yeah i never got the name of the shooter but wow so you went to school with him yeah, we were in you class. You lifted weights with we him. We lifted weights. Holy shit. Whoa. So, and yeah, it, these are the folks in high school that end up shaping your world later. Yeah, well. In, a, in an interesting way. Or they're, they're, they're in the mix anyway. Yeah, it was kind of, we, we lost uh, touch with each other. And okay. then, uh, you know, we, weren't, we didn't really connect really on a fundamental level. But we saw each other every day. Yeah, yeah, and we yeah. were like the two kids who were like most into weightlifting. We, we got really into it. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the other kids were already pretty buff. And yeah. they just like were hanging out, but we were like, "Yo, let's do this." Huh. And then, um, and then that whole story broke, and I saw his photo, and I was like, "Oh my god!" 
that's shocking eh? that, that's that guy yeah he, he became a cop and then killed yeah him. you're like i knew that brain i came across that brain yeah it it seemed like he needed help then that he wasn't getting oh, wow. but uh wow. like mentors wow. maybe but yeah that's that's sad to hear actually yeah. like a little glimpse into into it right um that you 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 would touch on that when when you came across them when you that at that young yeah, because you see all these stories about people abusing their power and doing all these crazy mm-hmm. things, and you just think, who are these monsters? And not to take away from the, the horror of what he did, but mm-hmm. having known him when he was a teenager, kind of put it in a context of like, uh, he was someone who was really lost mm-hmm. then. And uh, he probably just continued being lost and ended up being a police officer. And yeah. I. Yeah. You know, I'm filling in a lot, but I just. But doesn't that put it in context too? Like the, I I try not to take that for granted. That like every little encounter does kind of matter when, you see that happen at the end of 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 one of the storylines. Yeah. You're like, whoa, maybe I should have. I don't know. When you're weightlifting, maybe I should have spotted him with a little more compassion. Well, it's funny. Every, I don't know. He always called me. I mean, I I don't want. Not saying that, that 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 almost sounded like yeah, Mike. Well, the he was fuck? always he was always picking on me, but in oh, like this yeah. very yeah. kind of strange way. He always called me fag. Like every day, he was like, "Fag, you're a fag." Yeah. That was yeah. like one of his lines. Yeah. "Fag, you're a fag," and I was like, "All right, like, got it." To be a, a police officer. Yeah, we gotta, yeah. you know, we gotta yeah. leave that be. But it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's like it was clear he was working through, or well, he wasn't. It was clear he needed to work through some yeah. things, but yeah. he wasn't getting the help. I don't know that I was the one who was gonna get him no. to uh, no and move yeah. beyond it. Right, but right. Oh man. Yeah, these are the things that I go back to when I'm in North York. Well, no doubt, and that that one's kind of fresh too. Like the the wrap up on that story, I wonder. Like, I, you gotta wonder where he's at now. I just, I mean, some of these stories, like right. I should find him on Facebook and message him. Oh, God. Him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Because I think he ended up, even though he was convicted, I think he's not going to do any time in jail. Yeah, yeah. In like the last second, it, mm. they took that away. Wow. Uh, um, well, the system, and you've got anarchy written on your wall there, too. There's And there's a, it looks like there's actually a phone number, so that might actually be his number above. We, uh... Or is, is that just subs? Like was, submarines? Yeah, sub sandwiches. Oh, my God. That's like everyone's phone number I knew. This is, this kind of has a Mendelssohn Joe vibe to it, of like, the fact that you're able to write all the important phone numbers on your wall. He's got one of those. Oh, yeah, okay. He's got a, like a, a complaints section. Oh, if he wants to call anyone, it's his phone book. It's his brain, kind of on the wall, and you've got a bit of that going on here, Mike. Wow, it's, it's fantastic. Thanks. Thanks again for letting me into this. Yeah, you probably know some of those. Yeah, I think Tanya Gill is on oh. that wall. Oh, wow, that's fun. So you you go way back with some of those folks, eh? Yeah, I see from here, Wes Neal. I wow. see his phone number. It's wow. probably not the same one. So how do you <clears throat> like? what when did you, when do you get into music when do you start shaping your uh, your voice as uh, a musician well i was into music i wanted to play younger than i did i think i started playing when i was 11 i wanted to play before that but that's when i got a guitar and then i was just one of those people i was like always like thinking about music always really into music i uh-huh. just wanted to play even though i didn't like even know what that was i just wanted to like have a guitar in my hands and just be playing with it 
and I always brought it to school. Like it was, I was that guy who was always walking around with a guitar. And uh, I had kind of a cool guitar teacher, and he would say like, "Oh, you really want to be playing? You know what you should do? You should go to Grossman's, and just play at their blues jam. Like they'll let anyone play." So at a pretty young age, I think I was about fourteen, fifteen, right I started going, and my parents were really supportive. They'd take me in the beginning, and we'd, you know, like. That's beautiful. I wouldn't get to play. I'd be like the last one to play because no one knew who I was. So they didn't want to, you know, they let all their friends play. So it's like yeah. I'd be going on at one or something. And then the next night, oh. the next morning going to school. So, yeah. you know, being kind of tired. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it was a cool experience. And then later, friends from high school, once they started being able to go out super late, they would come. And it was kind of a thing. And none of my friends liked that music. No? So... Yeah, it was just like one of those high school things where it's like you you do something even though you don't like it, you don't really want to be doing it, but what else are you going to be doing? So you kind of made it cool for them or like a, an outlet. At, it was at a thing, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. no one wanted to play and no one was like that into the music, but it's like, hey, we're doing something. You want to do something? So it was blues initially for you, eh? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, blues and rock. You know, yeah. like I think I was like most into rock in the beginning. Evidently, like yeah, you got the wall here to. Yeah, like I I have a. I had a neighbor. She actually still lives a couple doors over. She's seven years older. Uh-huh. And she was like giving me cassettes of like all the cool alternative rock bands. She gave me a Pearl Jam cassette and Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And what else? She gave me Pink Floyd. You know, like all the things that were kind of like cool or were happening kind of in the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was a little bit ahead. And I have a brother who's a couple years older. So his friends were always kind of telling me what was going on. So like I saw Nirvana. When they were here, I think in 94 as well, when wow. they played Maple Leaf Gardens. That was like the first show I ever went to. Right on. So I was like really into rock, but then something started to happen. I, I was like, and it's probably my guitar teacher. I was getting into blues and starting to get into jazz. Mm-hmm. Like I knew there was, there was more room to play instrumentally. And I was really, because I was always interested in the people who were taking solos. And I was interested in the songs, but I was like never interested in the lyrics to a song. You know, it's like the melody was cool, but it's like I never knew what the songs were about. I never, even now, I still don't listen to that content of the song. So I started to feel like, oh, I want to hear people who are just playing their instruments more. Mm. So I started getting into blues. I mean, blues was a lot more accessible to play. So it's like I could go to Grossman's and play and sit in. I couldn't go to the Rex and play at the jazz jam yet. Like that would that would be years later mm-hmm. but uh, you know that music started to filter into my mind a lot but i was playing a, a lot of blues yeah like in a, a lot of the groups in in my high school like when we would get together we would play that music wow and i still think about that music a lot um, that early stuff yeah like yeah. early electric blues i still yeah. really love it and i still i just love kind of that the relationship like the the mythology of like the blues man and his guitar, you know, or like, yeah, you know how it's, it's got staying power. It's got yeah. this staying power and it's got like a, it's like their characters, you know, it's like BB King's got Lucille. Right. You know, or he had like 17 of them, right. but it's like, it's, he had this yeah. relationship with this thing, yeah. you know, that was like, it was really deep and kind of, it's got a, good lore. I love, yeah, no, I got you for sure. Now, what was your teacher's name? Your first teacher? His name was Tim Latanville. Good name. Yeah, I haven't met anyone who knows him. I like that name. Yeah, <laughs> he was great. He played like uh, in in a cover band. Whatever. And he played, you know, like. How'd you find him? 
There was a store around here called Allegro Music. Great. And um, you walked in, you did the deed. I walked in and I took kinda, lessons in the basement. <clears throat> Isn't it interesting though? It's kind of like when you think of our journeys to to get into it and get addicted to music. It's like it's kind of. Um, I guess it's all based on wherever the fuck you are. Yeah. You walk into a place hungry and try to feed that hunger. And Tim Latanville. Latanville. Tim Latanville. Great name. You found him. And he kind of set you off on... Like, you ever have a teacher that sucked? That you didn't jive with? That just went away? Or, or like... Well, you know what? When I was in Toronto... I studied with him and one other guy yeah. who also was cool, but yeah. then went off. He traveled. Okay. And then I studied with Lauren Lofsky for a little bit. Oh, wow. And Lauren, I mean, Lauren's amazing. It didn't, it, it didn't make, it wasn't the strongest connection okay. that I wanted to continue over long term. Yeah. But it wasn't until I got to college that I had teachers who I was like, I don't, I don't need to be in a room with this person ever again. Ah, uh, yeah, but and I'm learning a lot from from this experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th that's what I was getting at. Is like, uh, is those teachers that like equally kind of you know drive with that also if you keep that focus and hunger. I just think of like a lot of people stop sure. for, for those reasons, and that's what where I see it's like so precious and important. Those moments of like, like I literally had one today before coming here is like hey, you know, you may not be loving music right now in this context, but don't let it... You feel like these are like faucets that could close forever if sure. you don't take that shit seriously, right? Like, um, I Anyway, that fascinates me, your path to it and focused to stay on it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was... I'm like a very uh, obsessive kind of person and it's like, I always just felt like music. I don't know, even like even when I... I don't think I was an early uh, bloomer, you know, like I wasn't like right away really good or anything like that. You know, I, I sucked mm -hmm. a lot like at Grossman's. I sucked. There were many nights where I, it, I was like that went really poorly or like at my school, we had all these art nights and you could play. And it's I remember one night we, we, we played and it was really bad. Yeah. Was, yeah. And I asked my friends like, so how was that? And they're like, that was really bad. And I asked my art teacher. She's like, yeah, that was you guys were. You what made it stink? Like, we, what, if you could reflect on it a bit, we were doing, uh, we were playing "Summertime," yeah. two guitars, piano, mm. and the pianist had this idea, like the day of the show, to do this like weird modulation, this orchestral or orchestration idea that okay. was like totally abstract. Okay, and we just like couldn't remember it, and we just like totally it, blanked. It went in the wrong. Like everyone went in different yeah, directions. Yeah, and we Great. were just like okay. looking at each other. We don't know what's going on. It was just like a total mess. Yeah. You know? But it like I knew like that was bad, but never in my mind did I think that I'm was bad. So I'm not gonna play music. Right. It was okay, just like yeah. it's that, that was persistence. Bad. And I gotta learn from it. Yeah, and, I yeah. gotta work harder. I just gotta cool, work harder. I love that. You know? Do you work harder? You're a hard worker. I mean, I'm a consistent worker. Ooh, I, let's get into it. I mean, I still, I'm like a lifelong practicer. I'm always <clears throat> practicing. What are some tips for like a lifelong practicer? What can you give our gentle listener? Like, what do you, how do you keep it fresh? Uh, I'm glad you asked. This yeah. is something I think about a lot. Yeah. One, uh, there are a couple of things that I keep in mind that, that help me a lot. One is to think like, if I do this every day, mm -hmm. where will I be in a year? Oh, great. So Yo. it's like whatever it is, just think like really long term. Because right in the moment, if you're actually practicing something that's difficult, it's mm -hmm. not going to feel necessarily that good. 
because it's you're not getting it. You're working on doing something that you're you don't know how to do or that you can't do. Right. So there's going to be some element of frustration or discomfort, and so you kind of embrace that and you say, okay, right now this is not happening, but I know if I keep doing this every day, yeah. I will get closer and closer, and and that's kind of my litmus like if okay. i do this every day in a year will i be doing it and if the answer is still no then mm. i'm like i need to break it down more and this was kind of an idea i got because i used to teach yoga and i had a period um where i was doing yoga all the time like getting ready for uh, teaching and everything i was like practicing like four or five hours a day i took a little break mm. um, from basically the rest of my life and i was thinking like I had these really crazy teachers who were doing like really extreme poses, you know, you know, putting your legs behind your head and yeah, okay. standing on one armed handstands or whatever. Yeah. And then I'd think like, okay, there's this pose I want to do. And it's like, I absolutely can't do it. But I was like, if I stretch every day for like, I just do this one stretch for like 30 seconds a minute every day. Yeah. I know my body will open up in a year, but right now I'm so completely far from doing it. So that's what I just kept in my mind. Like yeah. it's, a, I'm working on this process to get there. So that's what I keep in my mind now when I'm working on music, when I'm trying to open something up, either like some intellectual kind of idea or some physical technique or something. It's mm. like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna chip away. Um, and the other thing that I often think about is- Can you give me one that's, um, that, that you're, that's in progress that we can check up on you in a year? Oh yeah, sure. So right now I'm really <coughs> obsessed with uh, shredding, guitar shredding. Fuck off. Like the, like, uh, the masters. The thing is guitar gods, they are not dead. They this are- This is amazing. I'm really glad I asked this. I am too. The wall is evident. I don't know. I'm taking it seriously. Keep going. It, Keep I'm, going. I'm not, he's, he's not shitting around. I am not joking Kay. in the least. The guitar guards, gods are dormant, but they're coming back. It's a cyclical thing. So they've been gone for a while. You know, pop music now, there's not too many solos. It's just like mm -hmm. blah, 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 auto-tuning, kind of boring. Yeah. And then it's over. And it's like pop music before used to be like a lot of blah, blah, auto-tuning but then there'd be like a solo of really like something musical kind of interesting yeah and then it would go back and it was enough to kind of bring in bring people in you know like i listen to whatever junk on the radio from the 80s and yeah. i'm like man that solo was kind of cool yeah. okay yeah. i can i can kind of get behind these weird harmonies they're singing and it kind of pulls me in where now i'm just i feel like i'm i'm mm -hmm. left out in the lurch and i think a lot of people are because they're missing kind of a little bit of uh a little grit or a little you know a little meat to the music right so on right on i i really feel and i feel it in the air when i'm walking around that there's a hunger for the return of the guitar gods fucking don't say it and it's oh my it's god coming. He, said, he said it it's coming you can it's like it's out there and you if you hang out with teenagers ever yeah. you ask them you say is the guitar, Are we ready? Is the guitar cool? And they go, yeah, man, guitar is cool. Who's cool? And then they'll start talking. Slash is cool. You know, and then they'll say some people I don't know about because I, you know, I'm not like on it as much as I should be. But anyways, it's coming back. So, and when it's here. You, you want to be ready? You, you want to be ready for that day? Yeah, you got to be running before that train gets here because you can't just jump on the train of guitar shredding. You have to be preparing. It's like uh, like Yoda stuff, you know. Like uh, you don't just shred, you know. You have to prepare yourself. 
So this is something that I'm thinking about a lot. And I was also thinking about it on the lap steel. Yeah. Shredding on the lap steel, like playing really fast on the lap steel, which is something that's not historically done. No. How but do you do that? Do you, is it is it is it uh, lots of right hand finger work? No, it's a lot of uh, well. Like. You can do that when you do that. It's called like rolls, but yes. then you're just doing these patterns, and it's basically it's just going to sound like you're doing a pattern. But if you actually want to play like a fast line, yeah, you have to think about how to do that. Um, and and you know, one night I was also I, my obsession with this maybe started a while ago, and I was thinking like, why can't I play amazingly fast on the lap steel? Like, or why doesn't no one do that? Yeah. So I started to think about it, and I'm like, I think it can be done. And I posted on one of those online forums. You know, every, there's long, online forums for everything. Yeah. And I belong to one for Lap Steel community. And I said, because I thought probably someone has already done this. And I'll say, I want to do this. And then people will tell me what records to go listen to of someone who's already mastered yeah, it. Right. So I said, hey, is anyone out there like playing 16th notes at like 300 beats per minute yeah. on the Lap Steel? because I think it can be done and mm -hmm. probably it's been done. Mm -hmm. And then I was amazed at the vitriol that I got in response. Oh, it, it was it like, don't fuck with it? They were like, don't ruin the, like yeah. the lap steel's not about that. It's oh. impossible. Or I tried and I couldn't do it and I'm amazing. So you can't do it. Like, or when people get close, <laughs> like you just that. hear that they're basically just playing boring licks. And they're like, they're, everyone was just like yelling at me, like in, in, like in the internet w way of being polite and rude at the same time. Yeah. And then, so I closed the computer and I went out to go hear my friend play. And I was like, man, like I was so pissed. I was just like really bummed out. And I was, you know, the way, you know, the internet can really just, it can really Kill mess you up. Yeah. yeah. It, can, it can make, yeah. So I get to this gig and my friend, Chris Tordini, who is an amazing bass player. We went to school together and mm -hmm. he's like a rising star in the jazz world. Mm -hmm. He was playing at the Owl, great club. Mm -hmm. And anyways, he's playing, he's doing this crazy stuff, this mm -hmm. like really, really fast passage that was just like, it was just like minor third over and over, but this crazy rhythm, like super fast. And I'm watching his hands. Mm -hmm. And I was like, a hundred years ago, if you'd gone to a bass player and described what Chris Tordini is doing right now and said, do you think you can do that? I imagine they'd say, no, it's impossible. It's not what the bass is about. Like right. I tried it and you know, they'd say all the things that the, all these people were telling me because no one was doing that back then. It wasn't part of the vocabulary. Like people's consciousness hadn't opened to the idea that it can be done. So they were closed off to that idea. So I was like, you can play really, really fast on a lap steel. It's possible. And then I came up with a thought experiment to prove it hmm. now. Okay. For those listening at home, who may not know much about the lap steel. Picture it, it's like a table. You have like this table on your lap and it has strings. Mine has eight strings and they're an inch off the fretboard. And then you play, instead of using your fingers to fret, you use a steel bar. And then with the other hand, you use a pick or you use your fingers and you pluck the strings. So this is a lap steel. If you don't, if, well if done, I, well done. If I'm losing you, Google image search lap steel. No, we're with you. We're okay. With you. We we closed our eyes and you walked us through it. That was very okay. Because well now done. it's going to get deep. Okay. okay. Thought experiment continues. Okay. In your left hand, you're holding a slide. You're moving it as fast as you can across the strings. Yeah. yeah. With your right hand, you're going. 
You're going like this, the other way. Oh, oh, so oh. you're, we, we're on two axes. Am I, you're yes. going to have to help me. So one hand is going left, right, left, right, left, yes. right, sliding. Yes. Yes. The other hand is going up, down, up, down, up, yeah. down, picking, yeah, picking, yeah, picking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? Now just imagine. Not strumming like a folky. You're strumming. You're strumming. You're just going across the strings. You're, don't all think the about. Strings. All the strings. Let all the okay. words. Okay. Strumming, picking. You're activating the strings. Here we go. Keep you're going. You're just activating the strings. So one hand is activating the strings. The other hand is moving across the strings. And a lap steel can have, you know, it's like yeah. three octaves. Yeah. And you're going from the bottom to the top in a second. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Think about how many notes are happening in that moment. Yeah. I hope everyone at home is thinking. We ju I just did. Hundreds of notes. Infinite. It's a Infinite. it's an explosion of notes. So, you can't do that on any other instrument. You can go from the lowest point of a lap steel yeah. to the highest yeah. in a second, covering 3 octaves. You're also covering everything in between each note. What a great observation. That but you're you, not doing that on a violin. You, you just, it's not, you can't, you can't do, bass? Could could a bass rock that if it, you're going to rip your, your fucking finger? I mean, here it's metal on metal. That's right. You know? You got way more, you got way more. Those naysayers. Those naysayers. So anyways, you can just go. I want to hear this. I mean, it's, I will play it for you because this is. It's the future. It's the new reality. It's the present. So just realize how many notes can be played. And then it's like, okay, you can play more notes than you can on a piano or any, any instrument. But then the thing is you have to figure out how to play the notes you want to play. Right. So then you have to start breaking it down. Okay, how am I going to articulate what I actually want to do? But, the, but first, yeah. you just have to keep in mind it's possible. The landscape is vast. It's vast yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. possible. Anyone, I'm a believer. It's, I'm, I'm going to check in with you now. It's real. So then I started saying... Okay, if if I spend the next year figuring out back to practice how yeah how to articulate a certain line or yeah. how to improvise by slowing this madness of movement on these different uh, planes going back and forth you know you, instead of just trying to go from the bottom to the top in yes, a yes, in yes, a half yes. second start going okay well how would I actually break this down so I'm playing something that makes sense it's there but it took me a it took me like a year. Wow. Of like every day, and 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 I would be there, and I started incorporating some heavy metal techniques, like uh, maybe some of your listeners know the term sweep picking. Yeah. yeah, okay. This is like a heavy metal guitar technique, where you're just strumming smoothly with one hand, yeah, and and, and then with your fingering hand, you're doing all these quick things. Okay. So you're playing like really fast stuff, but um, on a on a on a lap steel on an electric guitar but you okay. can sweep pick on a lap steel yeah right it takes a you know but a, a lot of days Whoa. i'd sit there and i'd do it and Whoa. it was like really jerky and it was really it did sounded terrible and i was like i love this it sounds terrible but i know that i will develop the fine motor skills where it will be smooth but it's going to take a lot a lot a lot of work All so right. that's the same thing it was like trying to put my legs behind my head i would say Mm -hmm. okay i'm doing this it's Good. uncomfortable physically it's hurting my brain it feels weird yeah but i know that i it will come together but i have to be diligent right so this is the kind of thinking i try to put in um and then then the other thing that i think about a lot mm -hmm. is that a lot of times where there's a barrier where you think you can't do something mm -hmm. while it there is a physical element it's actually an element of consciousness you have to open your consciousness to something being possible and then once you allow yourself to see it's possible sometimes it becomes very easy 
And I think that a, an example of that for me is playing fast, mm -hmm. where you start to think like you have to let go of like, uh, uh, how do I put it? It's like if you're playing kind of fast mm -hmm. and then you think, like, I want to play like two times as fast as this or three times as fast as this. You're not going to incrementally like just keep notching the, the metronome up and up and up and up and up. Mm -hmm. You have to get to the point where it's just like you're existing. Everything is super fast. So you have to let your mind open up to the idea that you can do that on your instrument. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when I when I practice that, like I'd listen to people who are playing really fast, mm -hmm. but then I'd also just like, I just make it up. I just pretend that I could play really fast and I'd be imitating people playing really fast. And then I would hear myself, sometimes it would actually work and it would sound like I was actually doing something that made sense. And then by hearing that sound, it would tell my consciousness it's possible. So it's like this, this feedback loop Wow. Of like you're you're reaffirming I can do this and then you're hearing something that kind of reaffirms it and then you're continuing to fake it so but the the the, the moments that are real are happening more and more and then before you know it you're like yeah of course you can do that like why wouldn't you be able to like why would you think you can't do that yeah you know like you're training yourself to just see the the possibilities I like that I really like that it just it, it allows you to set the goal if you just acknowledge it what you want to do you yeah know? i mean and so you, you you're um well fuck i've got a lot i want to ask you uh so you're working on this new technique well on the lap steel yeah not i don't want to sound like a you know i'm a braggart no, but no. i can i i got it i can do it oh shit i can play like these super fast lines on the lap steel it, it took about a year but okay that's not in pro you you've but I was, I was kicking it. I was practicing it all the time. And then I would be, you know, oh, this fits in. You know when I was saying like the word on the street, the air, like, yeah. the, like the, yeah. the vibe, the zeitgeist is that yeah. shredding is coming back. Go ahead. So part of it, you just reminded me, I kind of forgot this part of it. So I would be at a gig like warming up. Uh, like, and I would just like quickly, I'm just like doing something. I'd be like, broom, broom, like these fast lines on the lap steel. Yeah. Yeah. And someone would be like, what the was fuck? that? What was that? And I had like several people be like, that sounds like Van Halen. And then I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm like, <laughs> I've kind of been working on this. And then people oh, would be like, that I'm, is I'm working on it too. What? Yeah, people would say that. Like guitar players I know who I would never associate with the like techniques this. of Edward Van Halen are right. like, yeah, I'm working on that too, like alone in my room. Mm -hmm. And everyone I think is just waiting for the moment when we can all just emerge and shred faces off in a completely non-ironic, completely beautiful right. open space. Yeah. Well, there's such an artistry too, uh, to that. You're right. Like that, like Kirk Hammett kind of, you know, you know, all that, all that stuff. Like yeah. The, I, I'm definitely with you on defending the guitar solo as a, as a thing, you know? Yeah. It's a thing. I mean, sax solos to everything, yeah. you know, yeah. there's a place right. for all of it. Right. Right. But the guitar God is such a, component of our culture yeah that's you know. cool where did you go to um school when you said i went to school with that bass player oh for music yeah i went to york for a little bit okay and uh I, in the jazz program and then i transferred to the new school uh in new york uh what's it the jazz contemporary music program okay and that's where i finished and i had a really good i had a good experience in york for a little bit and then I felt like I needed to to go somewhere else 
Is that where you would have met like uh, Jake or like at I met York Jake or? before actually, before, okay. but we played a lot at York. But oh. when I was in high school, I met him. I was friends with this guy Dave Chokrin, okay. who went to York, and he was a bit older. And I don't actually know how I met him, but we started organizing shows together. Uh-huh. And he brought out a lot of people from Casey Sokol's improv class to do. He would just give them a set. So like my band would play and then maybe Dave's band would play and then the York improv ensemble would play. Cool. And that's where I met Jake and Kai Koshmeter. Okay. Um, and like, you know, kind of the people who were in the beginning kind of around St. Dirt. Wow. Um, and when was that? Like, what? When did Saint Dirt come to be? Like, Saint Dirt started in two thousand one. Saint Dirt Elementary School. Yeah. How did you do it? How, how did, did How did you make it? Saint Dirt. You top to bottom. Well, what is the name? The where, name. Where did you? Where does that all come from? It kind of comes from two two streams that I think are connected. One. Um, I was in a lot of bands. I was playing a lot with singer-songwriters. And there seemed to be a vibe in Toronto of like singer-songwriters who had really large bands of like a lot of people mm-hmm. who were kind of improvising. But sometimes it, it, it would seem it was loose, but actually it was pretty rigid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in one band called Ghost Town. And Sandra Perry was on Lap Steel as well. Cool. It was the two of us. And Kai was in the band. And this bass player who was the original St. Dirt bass player was in it. Like it was a lot of, a lot of people from the community. Uh-huh. But the, the, the leader was always telling us like exactly what to do. And I was thinking, man, if this guy just let us do whatever we wanted yeah. and sang his songs, it would be it'd be killer. It would be amazing. It would be so good. But it never happened. So then I was like, I'm going to start a band where I write really simple songs like a singer-songwriter would. Yeah. And we're going to play the songs. And I'm just going to tell everyone in the band, do whatever you want. Like I'm not going to tell you anything ever. And and that's kind of it, first thought, best thought, you know, like it never Great. it Great. never shifted from there. And I would call people who I knew were a lot better than me and I'd just say That's great. Great go. little tactic right yeah. there, isn't it? Industry tactics. Yeah, yeah. Industry tactics. You wanna call people who are so who are some of those people? Well, uh, you know, I call Tanya Gill and um A Kaching. You know, first time I met her I was 2020 20, 21 or okay. something she had moved to town she had already you know she was in the professional yeah. world yeah you know enmeshed in the professional yeah. world and we can trace her back to uh episode number 41 oh Tandy yeah Gill. hyperlink please give that a listen hyperlink right now audio hyperlink so yeah we're gonna lose you dear listener if you go back to that episode but we'll wait here yeah, we'll be here for your wormhole return. So you meet Tanya Gill. Uh, who else? Who else do you attack into the band? I brought. Uh, um, That's fun. You went shopping. Evan Shaw was playing in nice. the group. Wow! And uh, when he told me he had a master's in music, I was, I was, um, I was, I, I was mortified that he yeah. was in my band and he already had a master's because wow. I, you know, I was like in first year university. I didn't understand that it's okay. People can cross pollinate. It's no big deal. It's actually good. But I mean, we just right, kept going. Right. You just. That's you you just thought. keep going. Right. It's a fun thought. I'm not going to hang out. This guy's in grade 12. I'm in grade 10. I'm not. Yeah. We what can't a, hang out. What would happen? Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah, like, yeah. 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 It's got that vibe. It just yeah. kept rolling. And it's like that was just a time <laughs> yeah. where you would we would just keep going. We'd just invite people. You know, I, I called. Uh, we had a while where we didn't have a, ba- uh, a set bass player. So I'd call, you know, Rob Clutton. Uh-huh. 
And I was like nervous to call Rob Clutton, you know, sure. professional jazz bass player. Um, so just, you know, people from the community who I, I knew were amazing, but I, I thought maybe we can, I thought in my head, well, if I tell them they can always do whatever they want, mm -hmm. good rule, then they should have fun. And then it's okay that maybe I'm not as good as them and, or that this gig isn't like the most happening gig, you know, like it was, it was kind of like, and a, where are you playing? Like what was like Transac or, or what, what are some of the, we first were playing the Oasis a okay. lot, like okay. places like that, but actually we got the gig at the Transac and it was the first, we were the first people from the creative music scene to play at the Transac. Wow. And wow. the way that happened was, you know, before the Transac became what it was, it was like a lot of traditional folk music was there. Like Grand right. Bush was like a Dixieland band or like yeah, an early yeah, jazz yeah. band was there. There's yeah. Bluegrass Wednesdays. Right. Um, There's like different folk music. And then there, they had a Dixieland band that disappeared and they wanted to refill the spot. I see, I see. And someone said, oh, you guys should go for it. So we went in and all these people who are like not necessarily the people who come out to hear creative music, maybe of a, like an older generation people came out and we played and we were playing like super out really noisy and everything and they hated it and the the manager was like you guys aren't dixieland you lied like don't want to give you the gig it was going to be for a weekly gig oh fuck. but the thing was this was i was a little crazy then i i was like were you cool with that you like you knew it was probably going to piss them off but you wanted to do that anyway like, i was hoping they would be cool with it i right. thought they would see the inner beauty Okay. That's what I always hope. People. Okay. You weren't out to necessarily like. No, we don't want to knock anything down. I'm the kind of person who's like, okay, I might not be the right person for this, but uh, maybe I can bring some. Uh, but I'm going to be me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll yeah, be yeah, me yeah, and yeah. some, maybe something nice will happen and then we can all enjoy it. Yeah. But that wasn't the case. But then I was so focused. I just wanted the gig so bad because I wanted to play all the time. And I was saying, man, you, you got to give us the gig. We're going to, we're going to make it into something so good. And he was like, no, I can't give you the gig. And I was like, you got to give us the gig. We're going to great. And I just kept going and going and going. And I didn't realize it, but he was like a pretty severe alcoholic. Mm -hmm. So he was just like, okay, whatever. Like you guys can play here every week and we'll see how it goes. And it took a long time. It didn't really build, but every time he would be like, I don't know if you guys should be here. I'm like, we got to stay. We're going to build it. We're going to, and I would just like hound him. And I just wouldn't, I wouldn't stop. So we ended up playing there for a really long time, and then other people started saying, "Hey, why aren't like why aren't we playing here? Why aren't you know why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening?" So it and and it was it was kind of an opening. It was like kind of the beautiful time where maybe things were opening up there and things were changing, and there was a little more room for new life and um, mm -hmm. pe different kind of people were coming through the door, and then different kind of people started getting gigs. And it just kind of, you know, the, the rest is anyone who's listening to this knows what the yeah. Transact is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. And you're, um, you, so you, that's how you went about writing for that band is like um, the singer songwriter, like like a, a very simple concept, going to get it down and you, you eventually get to the book. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I was always obsessed. Actually, on my bookshelf, I have some of these like old folk bo books yeah. that are just like a simple simple melody simple chords okay. and you know and it's right. not even the song it's like the song is something like this you know right. like 
Right. It's a sketch of the song. Sure. So these are what I was obsessed with, and this cool. is what I wanted to write. The simpler, the better. The like almost as if it already exists. It's like I found a song that exists. It doesn't Great. exist. Great. Well, yeah. that's what your music sounds like. Well, thank you. I mean, that's uh, as as early for me as last night. Just going like, fuck, man. This sounds like like just so familiar. Yeah. In a beautiful way, not in a way that's like, oh, this is like a derivative thing. Sure. No, no, this is like, ah, oh, God, it feels good. Yeah, that's the idea. Like these old folk books you would find wherever from whatever culture. And um, nice. so I was writing those and my goal was to write one a week for the band. So every week love I brought it. a love new these, tune. Uh, love the challenges you set for yourself. So, Mike Friedman, I almost want you to just give me a, a, a challenge for the year and we'll, we'll catch up in a year. Yeah, I will do Maybe that. Maybe not shredding. I'll, but, uh, you know, I'll send you a, more. a That's great. So postcard you just, with, a, yeah, with, a, with a list of like, thing. here's your year. Yeah. That's great. I'm almost like uh, like Private Eye Mission. Yeah. This is what you're... Imagine if we Accepted treated music that way, like yeah. uh, 007. That's the way it should be in a way. It's kind of... I would love that. We we plant a little seed in each other. We other's make concepts. our own dumb goals. Yeah. No. What if it came in like a postcard? Like you will master. Well, the one song a week thing, or yeah. whatever. Like that's fun. The one song a week was transformative for me. That what was I'm a, saying is, you set good goals, so that's fun. So you did that, and that's where the book came from, kind of. You you got you latched onto it. You're like, hey, wait a minute, a year from now. Well, I don't know what I um. The year from now is kind of a newer thing. Sure, sure, sure. But that concept of like, I'm going to just set this goal and do a, a, a tune a week. Yeah, tune a week. And then Eric mm. Cheneau said to me, um, you should make a book. You have all these tunes. You yeah. should go to Kinko's and get them to like <laughs> bind it. Such a Kinko's vibe to that book. That's, yeah. that's what it was, right? That's all Kinko's. And he said, that would be so nice. He said, people will care about it more if it's in a book. Can you still buy it at Soundscapes? That's where I got mine. I felt um, really good about that. You know, I haven't checked in with them. They probably have about $10 for me, or they're still there, or they've thrown them out. Whatever. Either, but, any of those options work. But yeah, that's they're all great. fine. There, yeah. there might be somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. But, so you uh, go to Kinko's, you make this thing happen. You've got a collection of tunes at that point. Yeah, they're, and then they were in a book. And I have to say, it, like put it, when you put something in a book... There you go. It's a thing. Like, it's different. Like, a, like most people... We know who play music and write music have written a lot of tunes, but not everyone keeps track of their tunes. So yeah. a lot of the gems kind of can disappear. They yeah, kind yeah. of forget yeah. about this or that. Yeah. And I find it's like I have my two books. I mean, I have tunes outside those books, but mm. it's like when I show up to a gig, I bring my books and it's like I never lose anything. And it's also like, you know, it's like I can access things that I haven't played in a long time. I can access a lot of different kind of moods and everything. It's all right there. It's very easy. You know, it sounds great. I mean, I get get behind that 100 percent. It's also like uh, people get behind it because it's like sometimes people will. I've been called a lot of times like in New York, someone will get a gig that's mm -hmm. like, you know, like whatever, like well, we're going to play like uh, someone's birthday party. And we're gonna play music for three hours and they don't really like care about the gig, but it's like a high paying gig. And then they'll call me and they'll say, Hey Mike, can we do one of the books? Bring your books. And you know, who we're do you want on base? Wow. And we'll just play the books. Cause then they don't that's you know. That's so great. There's a repertoire that's sure. for the whole day, you know, and it's like, they could, we could bring a fake book, but it's like, who wants to play out of the fake book with a quintet for 
three hours, you know, but it's like, oh, playing, you know, we're reading these tunes. They're not difficult. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And and no one has to really think about it. And for me, I'm always charming. Like, I love those gigs. Like, I'm, I'm so happy when I get them because it's like, yeah, that's great. I can. It's easy. And well, it's, it's best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of this great thing. But it's like, I don't think I have anything that most people don't have, which is a collection of tunes. It's just that by organizing them, it kind of. It, it solidified things and it kind of opened oh. this door. So, you know, I'm just putting this out there to people who have a lot of tunes. You should go to Kinko's and put your tunes in a book. Industry tactics. He yeah. is really, he's blown it right open here in his, uh, it's got to be the space that we're recording it in. We're capturing a lot of good and focused, by the way. I'm going to give you, just keep talking, just keep leading this thing. So you, you, uh, you went to you went to New York, and is that how you ended up in New York, or how did, what what happened there? Yeah, what did happen? I went to New York. You know what? I was hanging out with Victor Bateman, and uh, I think Victor Bateman has changed a lot of people's lives in yeah. ways that are not always acknowledged. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I was lost. I didn't know what to do with my life uh-huh. because Saint Dirt was happening. It'd been going for a couple years. I was like dropping out of York because I felt totally lost. I didn't feel like I was, there's anything that was fueling me there. You know, I didn't really know what I was going to do with myself. And I was just kind of like, I think I said, Victor, I'm thinking of learning to play the bass so I can get more gigs. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I started like going into my life. That's dark. That's some dark shit. Yeah, that's a dark, that's the wrong reason to play the bass. You should play the bass because you like love to play the bass, not because you want to steal gigs. I mean. So he made the wise move and was like, we can't have this guy in our. I don't think he was threatened. I think he was just like, this guy's. That's a dark. That's a dark thought. We got to get him. He just, you know, there are many times where I was hanging out with Victor, and he saw me who for who and what I was. He saw through everything, and he could just see me. That's nice. And in one of those moments, and he said to me, "You should move to New York." And I was like, "Why?" And he said, "The type of person you are, Mm -hmm. you should be in New York." And it's like, right or wrong, I don't know. But it made me think, yeah, I should move to New York. You know, like I, I, yeah. I swallowed the pill of the New York dream. Like I'm a band leader. I do something. I play a weird instrument. Yeah. If only I were in New York, I'd be famous, which I think is a common, like a lot of people sure. think. Sure. If only I were in New York, then X, Y, and Z. Yes. So then I was like, all right, that'll be me. So I love that. It's the same thing you said earlier about like just if you think that goal eventually it's gonna so he planted that seed he planted that seed although it's not true though i think if you move to new york you will not no i mean i'm not you know don't do that to to the gentle listener i'm just saying if there's amazing things happening in new york and if you want to move to new york you should move to new york but the idea that because you've got a lot going on yeah move to new york and suddenly you'll be the next duke gallington or john zorn or right Elvin Jones or yeah, what whoever yeah, yeah. whatever you wanted Dave Douglas you know Carla Blay you know, famous yeah, yeah, person right, 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 right. who does amazing creative things, it's not. It is it's not that easy you know I mean I'm not a famous New York, um, jazz star, and all the amazing musicians I know or most of the you know most of the people I yeah, know who yeah. are amazing in New York also are not famous you know it's like 
it is a tough town and it's it's changed a lot from the days of what we think about right when we think about new york right you know when you're thinking of the loft scene yeah that doesn't exist anymore yeah and you know it's not the same thing so in that regard he was not right but i think it was the right thing for me at the time was your was your goal to like go out there and do like a a a, a zorny kind of thing like where it was like did you want to start a venue or did you like did you want to change anything up in your the way that you do what you do or or what i felt what like i just like? wanted to be doing it and doing it in a place where there was access to doing more you know like right right I, toronto would not be able to did you, I mean, was it a uh, were there was there a sentiment about like toronto's not going to fulfill that you know it's a funny thing That's, it's like like the toronto the toronto not toronto conversation which i've had with so many people and it's yeah. like usually i'm having it with people who live in toronto and then like i'm yeah. i'm a view of outside of toronto uh-huh. and it's like you know i left toronto when i was like 22 or 23 and i kind of felt like yeah where where am i gonna go from here not like i was so amazing or anything but i just felt like where are the venues where like where's the next level i don't know what it would be um not the next level musically but the next level like career wise Mm -hmm. so then i was like yeah i gotta go somewhere where the ceiling is higher but now that i live somewhere where the ceiling is higher i I look at toronto in a very different way i mean i love toronto and i love coming back to toronto yeah i love playing toronto i love listening to music from toronto and I, I think so highly of what's happening here and I think that the scene here yeah. is super unique and also I've come to Toronto with people from New York and hung out here uh-huh. and they see uh-huh. it too like it's not uh, like it's I have not some only your perspective it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not on a, a nostalgic kick you know and I think what's amazing about Toronto which is also the same thing that I think some people think is not amazing about Toronto mm-hmm. is that there are a lot of places where you can go and you can basically exist at a very high level and there's not there isn't the next tier of where to take it in Toronto like bands from Toronto can take it to the next t- tier mm-hmm. but they have to leave it's like you know there are people who are playing the Transac mm-hmm. you know several times a month there are mm-hmm. people who are playing the Rex several mm-hmm. times like, there are people who are playing the spots and then they're doing it and then they're doing it for many 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 years yeah and someone could say, man, it's so dark because I'm playing the trans. How long am I going to play the trans? Like how, you know, am right. I going to be here forever doing the same thing to the same people? Yeah. What, you know, what a nightmare. But then it's also like, no, it's not a nightmare. It's amazing because yes. you are doing what you want to be doing. Totally. You're totally. playing with people yeah, yeah. who the musicianship in Toronto is super high. The creativity is super high. You're doing it at a high level. Yeah. The music is evolving because everyone I know, I mean, I grew up in Toronto, like, in, you know, I'm in this yes. city, you know, it's yes. like I've known people here for 20 plus years. I've seen the development of yeah. what people are doing and it's like, yeah everyone is developing everything is changing and evolving in a beautiful way yeah and everyone is doing like the community mentality here is very strong yeah so people are doing it there is like this strong synergy and it's like yeah you're not gonna end up like super duper famous for playing the transact uh-huh. but then on the flip side and this is what i try to bring back from new york yeah. to people is it's like the people in New York who are super duper famous often are doing that at a great expense to themselves in that in most cases they've become a product mm. which has 
that if they're lucky enough for it to be successful, they can't change it. You know, they're selling themselves in a certain way or they're selling a certain band or they get yeah. known for something and then right. they have to do that. And if they want to keep evolving constantly, mm -hmm. there isn't the room for that in the same way, unless they're known for being someone who's always, always changing, right, which is, right. you know, it's like, which has got to be tiring too. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like there are people who yeah, do that, but yeah, there are yeah, very, yeah. very, very few people. It's right. like, yeah, John Zorn is always evolving, but right. it's like John's, there's one John Zorn, like New York is not full of John Zorns, you know, the, right. it, and it's like, I remember talking to Tim Byrne, yeah. uh, actually when I was at York, we were trying to bring blood count to York university to oh. give a concert. And it got to the point where we were having conversations about it. And yeah. he was like, man, bullet count is like last decade. Mm -hmm. Like, why Like, why don't you bring one of my new bands? Mm -hmm. And we were like, but we love blood count. Like, you know, and I listened to his new band and I was like, I don't even like it. Because it's like, I just, That's I, fun. I hadn't That's spent the time with it right, in the same right, way, right, right, right. you know. And he was like, man, like, what the hell? And it's like right. realizing that he was locked in because blood count did have some success that his yeah. later groups... It, I mean, I, I think Snake Oil caught on yeah, yeah, yeah. one of his later groups, but it's like it took a long time. But it's like even I would go see him uh -huh. and I would feel like when he did like a larger show, like, you know, he did a return of Blood Count and I went to go see it. And I was like, in my mind, I was in heaven. But I'm like looking at him and wondering, is he in heaven? Because mm -hmm. he's playing all of his old music. And there's like three times as many people at that gig as there was at the gig I saw him the week before. Doing I don't something. know. I think I, that, to me, all that shit's cool. It's like you got some stuff that just doesn't fucking sell, but you're loving it. Hopefully that's the idea. And you got some stuff that's like way more successful. And hopefully I, I agree with you loving that equally. Right. I mean, well, he probably did. Reason. I don't want to, yes, I don't want to assume, you. you know, it's, you know, I have right. no idea what's going on in his mind Anyways, and yeah, yeah. I'm totally like projecting all this stuff, but it's just like seeing, that's fun, yeah. You know, it's like when something works or like uh, other people I know who are doing well, it's like yeah. their music doesn't change because it can't because they're working so hard to market their music or they're right. touring right. with the same record for two years, playing that record every night. And these are like super duper creative people mm -hmm. who would be writing a record every month. Like if they were in a world where someone's like, Here's what do you want to do? The yeah, yeah. They yeah. would be doing new stuff all the time. Right. But because they're getting known for something and they have to basically sell that something, they're locked in. And it's like, is one better than the other? It's not for me to say. It's, you know, it's each individual. Maybe someone wants to make a record that they're in love with and then they want to play that record for two years and then work on the next huge record and work on that for several years. Yeah, and I it's guess like, we've all got our work habits. But it, you're touching on something that's like, you know, they say that like, as you age, you know, your, your politics become a little more like almost safe, right? It's like, right. this is what I know. I don't want to fuck with my physiology, my, my, my brain chemistry. Right. Well, right. And does the same thing happen to you artistically? I'm comfortable here. I've got this work habit. You know, it's hard to pull the rug on your right. process, right? Like, I, mean, I mean, people you try to, but they know you as something and right. you want to, right. you know, right. right. And it's like, that's if cool. you are a creative person who really you're driven to play music because you want to do something creative, yeah. then Toronto is an ideal place because, I mean, you could like live in the middle of nowhere and, and change, you know, th what you do every single day, but you wouldn't necessarily have the community of people who I can keep the this. bar up, you yeah. know, keep, keep yeah. your level up, keep things happening, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's like in Toronto, I mean, there are 
plenty of people who are working so hard to develop themselves as performers, as, you know, creative people. So when you write some crazy stuff, they can they can do it. You know, it can happen in a really cool way. Right. And then it's like right. and that's happening also in it is happening in New York. Like I'm right. not I'm not right. here trying to like rag on New York. But what I will say is it's a lot harder to just like show up at the club and get three gigs a month or two gigs or even one gig at a club to develop like have long-standing bands well seeing what you've forged here it and i know you've you've done the same there but has the the sense of building community out there is it do you you see a difference in that in this in the in the music kind of community in the way that we all kind of i'm i'm very interested in the way there's this bit of a cross-pollination going on yeah in, in, in the scene around here you see similar stuff there i guess or Yes and no. I think here, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised. Every time I come back, I see people who I think of belonging to whatever community. Yeah. And they're playing with someone who I didn't connect with that. Uh-huh. You know, like I see people doing very interesting things. And I think it's that it isn't such a huge city that people do open their eyes and say, well, I will play with this person right. because they are doing something interesting. And right. maybe we can we can have some synergy on that in that regard. New York, everyone wants to play with everyone who's doing something cool like if if you move to town and you're doing something cool people will want to play with you mm-hmm. but the flip side is everyone is so busy um that, yeah. Yeah, yeah you can have a session or you can you know you could get a gig but if you want to have something with continuity it's a lot more challenging because people okay. are so busy yeah and it's like first of all it's like anyone could end up going on the road or anyone could end up moving or anyone could end up getting way busier with something else so keeping people in your small circle right. over time right and, and is developing harder. something and yeah yeah, is, yeah and developing it is harder yeah, so that yeah. takes a lot longer um and then it's also like i don't know it's like new york's a tougher city it's like you know i've been in a lot of bands where it's like we'll do a lot of stuff we'll do a record we'll do a bunch of gigs maybe we'll do a tour mm-hmm. and it's like we're getting paid for everything but nothing the money no one is like the money is not coming from anywhere other than the leader's pocket or maybe mm-hmm. a couple gigs pay well mm-hmm. i mean it depends on the situation but a common situation is yeah. a leader is investing in their projects so they're hiring you mm-hmm. to play a bunch of gigs to do a recording to maybe go out of town and do some touring yeah. but then they completely run out of money and they have to regroup themselves and then that band doesn't do anything for anywhere from six months to two years like you know sometimes Mm -hmm. there'll be a band i play a lot with and then we don't do anything and then like two years later i get a call and then suddenly we're doing a lot again it's back on it's back on and then it's back (laughs) off and it's like and that seems to be something that is somewhat common in new york because it's very hard to get paid to do stuff sure because clubs there are fewer clubs there's very you know there's it just there isn't the infrastructure um to support it but everyone's life is so crazy and expensive that it's like if you want people to be involved you need to make it work in a certain way so to have things go a long time and it's you know like saint dirt last year we had our 15 year anniversary so this year we're playing it's just we've been going 16 years yeah and it's almost all the original members i mean it's all the people from the first couple years it's so beautiful once it's solidified it's all those those same people yeah where in new york it's like i have my group mike friedman and the mike friedmans Mm -hmm. and a lot of the people in that band are people i've played with for a long time but only one person is someone I've been playing with since I moved to New York. 
So Patrick Briner is the reed wow. player, wow. and he and I have been in bands together. He's been playing my music since 2003, but everyone else in the band, I started playing with them later, and a lot of the people I was playing with in from that era, I still know all these people, and I'm still friends with them, but maybe they're on the road all the time, or maybe yeah. they don't yeah. want... Like, there's one musician I, I really loved playing with, and he doesn't want to play improvised music anymore he sees himself as connected to more you know he has a career now he's doing more yeah. pop he's in the pop world he's doing more in that land yeah, and yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. he's like i don't improvise anymore he's like i don't play that and i was like are you kidding me man you you were like slaying it like how i what do you mean you don't do that you can do that like let's go play the gig right now it'll be great yeah but in his mind he doesn't do that anymore. So where I feel like in Toronto, it's like there are people who shift all over the place, but then you call them and you say, okay, maybe you don't play those kind of gigs as much as you used to, but you want to come to the Transac and do it. Let's do this. And yeah. then they yeah. say, yeah, why not? Yeah, I'm always so, I find myself emailing musicians a lot saying, thank you for saying yes, because I threw a lot of weird shit out into the universe. And, and, and I'm always surprised with like, Holy shit! I guess we're doing this, right? Like, let's do you know, and I'm, that's always very uplifting, right? To, to yeah, thanks for saying yes. I say that a lot. Right? I mean, people want to be. That. I love that. They want to be doing stuff. I find that that's very inspiring to me. Yeah, obviously. I mean, yeah. Do you, you know? It's so interesting when you when you when you're trying to compare that because, like, some of those relationships that you're saying with Saint Dirt, like. It's all that investment. It goes way back. I'm not saying that 2003 isn't way back, right? But. I don't know. I I I, I, I almost compare it to like marriage or like or like partnerships with 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 a spouse. It's like if you had to like, you know, start all over again and shake things up and move to you know, Montreal tomorrow and start all over again. Like it's that is difficult, right? And oh, I'm yeah. very interested in like the fact that you did that and I, I and and in a way that is pulling the rug under your create a family and circle but you've preserved it at the same time it's not like i don't none of this is done right it's all part of a bigger thing oh right? yeah yeah and i know you treat it's, it that way it's, i i i'm without ever ever asking you i've never asked you that but i just know you treat it that way i mean right? my my hope is that saint dirt will play forever like as long yes. as everyone is here, alive here. and can play music here, here. you know Many every time books. i'm in toronto yeah you will outlive Kinko's. Your music will outlive that, Kinko's. That could actually—that's my dream. Be, yeah, that could be. Um, you keep going. They, I don't know that they need people need photocopies as much as they used to. <laughs> yeah, for better or worse. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Then, yeah. Um, we haven't played any of your music, which is is, uh, and we've already cracked the one. We've we've done it. I feel like we've we've we we we've kind of done it. We nailed it. Look, look his music up. Uh, uh, we're not going to play any of his music unless you want to share. What would you share? One tune that will blow their minds. Oh, geez. I don't know. It's hard to pick, isn't it? Just go listen, listen to everything he's ever done. Yeah, just go listen Saint to everything. Saint Dirt. Uh, what are some of the other uh, acts that, you, that you've that you recorded? Of my own? Yes. Um, well, the Mike Friedman were, yeah. and the Mike Friedmans. Okay. We did a record last year. Okay. And... Um, I did a record last year with Justin Haynes, a duo. Oh shit! And it's just uh, we were playing. Yes, that's that's the music of of uh, Justin Orock. Beautiful. Who stuff. I've never met Beautiful yet. Stuff. I haven't. We've only emailed. I haven't met him. I would oh, like to meet wow. him. Oh wow! Maybe he'll come to the gig on Saturday. I should email him. 
and can invite we, him. Can we play something from that to, to end with? You can play anything you like. Everything is, is out there. All right, here it comes now. Uh, pick a track. It'll be from, from that record. The, fir- the title track. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the first one on. I think they were all... No- I can't remember what they're... They're, you know, they're numbers or uh, what, what's going on. You know, we came in uh, and we just... Uh, there were charts and we just read them. We did two takes each and then we oh, moved yeah? on and then and that was that. Um, so I didn't have a relationship with them to the point where I learned the names of the songs. But Justin and I have been doing stuff for so long wow. that I felt like, you know, he and I have a deep, long connection beautiful beautiful it's a great record man oh, i really loved it yeah it only sold one copy on Bandcamp. Um, a cha-ching did you get that email a ka-ching yeah yeah good good um uh, but i was the one who bought it oh right so. back that's such a masturbational yeah. move great fantastic <laughs> i a just want circle jerk a musical circle i know jerk. i just wanted to have it in my life good good well you know record sales are going up there is yeah. here's looking up from here uh, get, share with us one the the most important tactic before we cut to track one of that Justin Haynes duet record. Tactic of business industry tactics. tactic. Yeah, like what have you learned along the way that you think our our listeners should really take with them? Uh, you've shared many here today with us. I guess the thing is, you should you should always say yes. If someone asks you to do something musically, yeah. I mean, well, maybe Ooh, take careful. that out because that's actually I'm putting it in the wrong context. I know. Because then someone could say, hey, you want to go on the road and there's no bread they're and the music's th- bad. Th- thank you. Thank you. And so, then, okay. So, then we're they'll go, Mike Friedman said yes. No, well, we're not going to edit it, but yes, we're definitely edit it. We're gonna- yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, I guess I mean, when, some, when someone, when there's a situation that you're excited about, yeah. but you think you're not up to it because you're ego your insecurities are getting in the way yeah like someone calls you and they're like i want you to play you know that's nice your insecurities you, getting in yeah the if way your insecurity another, if your doubt because it's a the situation's a little not cool yeah okay you got to listen to your gut but if your insecurity is telling you not to do it you should do it because you probably can do it and that's why the person asked you and sometimes you might preface and say I don't usually do this, but I think it'll be awesome. Because I get, you know, people say, yeah, nice. I, I get a gig on the lap steel, and it's like suddenly I'm playing some music. I, I don't know how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And I say, I don't usually do this, but I think once we're in a room together, it's going to be really awesome. So, yes, but maybe I'm terrified. Sure. But every time you say yes, it's yourself, your, your, your your, what you do is going to get deeper. And uh, I don't think people would invite you if you're not the right person to begin with. But I think often people think they're not the right person. So they they just say no. There is that getting boxed in bit that, uh, yeah, you could box yourself in and then everyone around you is doing the same. And it's uh, yeah, it's not healthy. No, it's not good. And, and I think that we also have no idea who and what we are. So that you might think Holy you're not shit. this kind of a player or that kind of a player. Mm-hmm. But actually you are. And maybe it's clear to other people, you know, like people are like, oh, I don't play, I don't play changes or I don't play free or I don't play. I don't, I don't improvise. I don't improvise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't read. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, if you really can't read, that's different. But, you know, it's like, right. You, there, there is that. There but, are I mean, certain things, but uh, there are certain things black and white, a little more black. Or than if white, you think, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not a good enough reader. <laughs> yeah, Usually if yeah, someone's yeah, telling yeah, you right, they're not a good right. enough reader, they are a good enough reader. Good but one, it's like, good one. You know, it's like whatever it is, it's like, well, actually, I think 
I think you should do it. Fuck, like go full Jack the Mares on that shit, man. Yeah, because you don't really know if you're take it as far as you can. Yeah, you know what 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 scares you in music? What what uh, I know that was my supposed to be my last question, oh, but what uh, what the, are there any like when you talk about insecurities? Like uh, I don't know, is there anything that that does get you a little? Are you you? I don't know. You got I this? I kind of. I don't get that scared anymore because I'm I'm at peace with failing. I failed in enough situations. You know that word at peace. I saw it yesterday on stage there, and I'm, we're gonna do the extended dance mix because there was some kind of distortion off your mic, and I only gentle listener. Thank you for making it to the end here. Do you hear this gentle peace that we were at peace right now? In the there was a bit of a distortion. Well, it's the ghost of Shed Atkins is. <laughs> he has left us. He's left us and Thank made you a little. For it. A little frizzle fry sound. I'll do it well, but no, you um, you were so at peace. I I I strive for that. When I see it in other musicians, that's one thing that I go, oh man, I'm really not comfortable in my skin and want to be more and more as I age. Right. Mm-hmm. I saw it in you yesterday, man. You're very just, you know. I mean, I've been fired before, you know, like more than more than a lot of times. Like I've been, I've been saying like. You're the right person, but sometimes you're also the wrong person. And it happens and you learn from it, I guess. And yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. sometimes you're the wrong person because yeah, yeah. you're the wrong person or they're the wrong people. But I've had sure. enough situations where I went like, wow, that was a disaster. Mm. And uh, well, you know, like I was talking about like going to Grossman's and like totally, totally failing or whatever. Fail, like just not the hitting word. the mark. Yeah, sure, sure. And then going back the next week and being like, well, what I'm interested in is playing music. I'm not interested in excelling at music. You know, like to me, every day that I like, you know, I have two kids. I have a, an eight-month-old baby, right? So mm-hmm. my time is a little crazy. Yeah. So at the end of the night, I think like if I spent some time with my instrument in my hands yeah. and I was playing it, yeah, that was a gift. And I don't think like, huh. like I don't go, oh, okay, I'm falling asleep. Any day where I execute a John Coltrane solo correctly on the guitar is a day that's a success like that's not how i'm thinking i'm just thinking like if i'm having a relationship an ongoing relationship with my instrument right with my mind with listening to music then yeah. i feel really lucky yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah it's like yeah if i get a gig like oh, man i i've i i've had some bad bad nights you know like i played at the blue note one night mm-hmm. with this band this big band and we hired marco benevento who's like a famous like uh jam band guy okay i don't know what he did that made him famous but i know he's he's one he's of those people name. he's yeah, a name yeah. yeah and he's very good he was very good okay and uh there are a lot of people there and we were doing like these deep cut classic funk orchestral pieces and there was a part where the the band stopped and then i was supposed to play this riff this like very simple, like the simplest thing imaginable. Yeah. And the band stopped and I came in like a beat and a half late. Like it was, it was so bad. Like it was like the, like the most obvious, not cool thing. That's the thing about music though, right? It's like feeding yourself to those lions and when you get it or when you, like uh, it, there's a lot at risk, I think, right? Yeah. Like, just like you could feel really shitty from that, what you just walked us through or... When you hit it and it's like it, you know, I mean, you don't have to really uh, spell I mean, like a, the uh, joy of... I, I think a kid in junior high could have hit, like a kid who just bought yeah, a guitar. Yeah, yeah. Like it just, <laughs> something, I don't know yeah. what happened, but I'm, and, and and that was the last gig I did with that band. So I'm pretty sure... That's what, I sealed, that moment. I'm yeah. pretty, I mean, it was dark enough, 
But then I went home and I was like fully aware of like how epic that mm. uh, clam was. Mm. But it's mm. kind of like, all right, well, I'm still like they didn't take my lap steel away from me. Like they didn't at the end of the gig, they didn't say, and now you're not allowed to play anymore. The gods of music have come and you're, 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 you're yeah. Yeah, you you're know, suspended. it's like, so, yeah, yeah. you know, nothing gets revoked. So that's why it's like, it's good, like good good outlook on that yeah there's a there's a balance of like being fearless and also going like well okay like let's just like i think if you're like a big jerk or something then you'll get to the point where no one's going to call you because no one wants to be around you but if you like aren't the right person it's like we live in a forgiving society because i was gonna say what the fuck was at risk there you missed yeah the bar. I mean, it's like uh, you know yeah, they came back in yeah <laughs> yeah i mean yeah everything's okay and i mean that was that was over a decade ago so you know it's everything like you know it. when We're i run still... into that band leader on the street everything's cool you know yeah, yeah. so i'm just saying it's like in that way it's like i don't like my fear is like that i won't be able to play music that's that would be a fear like that yeah, something right. would stop me from being able to play music that is like maybe the only thing in music that scares me yeah yeah because that i don't yeah, know yeah 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 no 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 I, sure yeah, and that you're continuously doing, like, I, I have this goal of wanting to continuously do the best work, at least in my head, right. from my outlook, that I'm doing, that I'm able to do, right? And, and like, technically or whatever, I mean, yeah. the whole thing, right? So, to get to a point where maybe, like, an arthritis or something, like, I mean, just a... Right, something could... Like, you know, yeah. But I, I don't know, I, I think that's when the creativity has to set in, and you go, all right, well... Right here, uh, I guess I'm gonna compose music with my nose now. Right, and there you're. I mean, it's gonna happen. We're all gonna yes. die. Right. So we're either gonna get like hit Monty by a bus Python or it's gonna. Where you just keep writing with one arm or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're yeah, either gonna yeah. fade out or something's yeah. gonna happen, yeah. and yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, if it happens, you deal with it. But um, oh yeah, yeah, or you don't, or it, it, it deals with you. Yeah, you're in the next <laughs> realm <laughs> yeah. of existence. Well, man. I want to say thank you, uh, love you. Thank you for sharing. Like, there's a lot of I, I love the the path you took. Yeah, I can go all night. You just tell me to start, and you just tell me when to stop, and that's my. My wife always complains that I never leave a party, because as oh, I'm going to say goodbye shit. to people, I'm always the one who's like. I think we just did that with that, but it was me. No, I, no I'm it's... the same. I'll. You, there was a cue. 15 minutes ago and that's the better cue yeah oh there, it sounds like yeah okay I'm hitting stop <laughs> okay bye bye
Thank you so much to Mike Friedman for opening up your home and your heart. That was an amazing conversation. And uh, that was a track uh, we were just listening to, his duet pieces with, uh, with Justin Haynes. That was a piece called Lord I Call by Justin Orak. And uh, join us again next week on Industry Tactics when I speak with Olivia Short. That's a fun conversation coming up. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Please always uh, feel free to tweet us at Industry Tactics or send me an email. You can find all my contact info at uh, FriendlyRich.com. See you again soon and thank you for listening. Goodbye.